At this time, we'll go back to our message from this morning and pick up with point three, four, and point six. Um, Which bride are you? We've seen this morning the different brides that are mentioned, or a couple of the brides that are mentioned in Scripture. We looked at the fickle and flirting bride from Proverbs 7 and how we as Christians need not to be a friend of the world, James 4. We looked at the faltering and fleshly bride of Goma, who was married to Hosea, and what she did with herself and how Hosea loved her and fenced her in and stopped her going out and, and then bought her from the, from the market where she would put herself for sale for any man, just like God has done that for us. Then we notice there are the faithful and fervent brides. Well, now we pick up with point three. There are the false and fornicating brides. And we go to Revelation chapter 17. Revelation 17. And this makes for some sad reading because this is the last book of the Bible, almost the last in the, among the last chapters of the Bible. And we find something that really must disappoint the Lord. And I think this is also contained in Revelation chapter 3, I think it's about verse 17, about the Laodicean church. They say, I'm rich and increased of goods and have need of nothing. And knowest not that wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. And, and this is the church that we have in Revelation. This is after the real church has been taken and this false church is left. It's made a deal with the, wor- the kings of the world. And let's read it so that we understand. And as we read, we'll go through and point the, the points out. Not, not going back over that. Revelation 17 verse 1. And there came unto me one of the seven angels who had the seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come here, I will show you unto you the judgment of the great whore. Sounds like uh, Gomer back there in Hosea that sitteth upon many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication. And the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with with the wine of her fornication. Adultery, fornication. These are all mentioned of this so-said bride, so-said church. Um, Terrible things of thee are spoken. It says, So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-coloured beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. That is, the beast had seven heads and ten horns. This is a picture of the church riding a beast. And you've probably seen pictures of that, of a woman riding the beast. In fact, I think it's over in Brussels. They have a statue at the front there of that very uh, picture that we have here. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet colour and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. Revelation chapter 3, the last verses of that chapter, speaking to the last of the seven churches there, Laodicean church. Rich and increased with goods, in need of nothing. The church, the mainline churches, are rich. 
exorbitantly rich. One book that I've got on my library and is from many years ago, The Vatican Billions, let's say The Vatican Trillions that they have today, having a golden cup in her hand full of the abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And so this is a church that is a false and fornicating church, in quotes. Not really the church. It's an assemblage of people organised for their own ends, to meet their own needs and about their own glory. It's not about the Lord Jesus at all. So she's arrayed and and decked out with all this gold and stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of the abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And then we come to verse 5. And so she's committed fornication with the kings of the earth. This church, this woman riding the beast, the beast, the kings of the earth, the woman, the false church, the fornicating church. Um, verse 5, we, it speaks of mystery Babylon the great. Notice what it says. And upon her forehead was a name written, mystery Babylon the great, the mother of harlots, an, an abomination Abominations of the earth. This is mystery Babylon. The abomination. The mother of harlots. This one had spawned a lot of other systems. A lot of other churches. That um, had had risen from her. This church really started forming about 300 AD. Even before that, back in Acts chapter 20. Paul said and gave some warnings to them at the church at Ephesus of what was coming. We'll get that in a moment. But um, verse 6, we read on, And I saw the woman, representing the church, drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. So here John has got this revelation and he's saying, The church? Killing the church, the church killing the saints, making martyrs of true believing Christians. Yes, because this is a false church. This is a a false bride. This is a fornicating bride. This is a bride that loves to have power. If you know church history, any, you know there was Constantine. He was fighting against the church, persecuting the church, and then in he saw a sign of the cross, and it was said that he said in this sign conquer was said to him and so from that point on instead of persecuting the church he he appointed the church leaders the bishops and that to be governors in the government he gave them power over people and augustine and those around him thought well the kingdom's come the church is in power the church is in governance no this is when this began well, the Babylon, the mystery, has been going way back in the Old Testament. But as far as the church is concerned, this is really where it really set in. And from that point on, the true believers, the true blue believers, were being persecuted by the system of the church. How, how can a person or a system that calls itself Christian martyr and murder and cause mayhem amongst true believers. It happened with Saul of Tarshish. 
He was in a religious system that were killing Christians. He consented unto their death. And we haven't finished that sermon, by the way, on the suffering of that servant. We wait. We'll get back to that one day, Lord willing. But, you know, they, they did it then. They did it after the church formed. This false church, this fornicating bride that we have mentioned here. And, and John just said, <laughs> he thought, how could it be? And I don't know if the Lord gave him visions of what was going to happen to true Christians and how they'd be killed. We read on in verse 7, And the angel said unto me, Why didst thou marvel? I will tell thee the mystery of the woman and the beast that carrieth her, which, is, which hath the seven heads and ten horns. The beast has got the seven heads and ten horns, a political system. The beast that thou sawest was and is not, and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit, and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names are not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world when they behold the beast that was and is not. And yet is the beast, the Antichrist that's killed, that's raised again. And he makes an image that everyone has to worship back early in the Revelation chapter 13. You can read all about that. This system that's set up by him for his own glory, by the devil who indwells this, this person. And here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads on this beast are seven mountains on which the woman sitteth. Political governance by the woman representing the false church where the woman sitteth. And there are seven kings. Five are fallen and one is and the other is not yet. And when he cometh he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth. So there's eight. Egypt, Syria, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece. uh, What did he say? Five are fallen. They're gone. And one is. When John wrote this, the Romans were in. In governance. And the other is yet to come. This system that this, this chapter is speaking about. This individual. And when he cometh, he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not even he is the eighth. So this is number eight. So there's a system, the ten kings, and there's, this is the eighth that takes over all of these and controls them. He's of the seventh, the part of it, and goeth into perdition. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings who have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one, at one hour, <laughs> the hour of temptation, the cult, shall come upon the world that's talked about in the epistle of Thessalonians. And power as kings, one hour with the beast. These of one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. And these shall make war with the lamb and the lamb shall overcome them. For he is the Lord of lords and king of kings and they that are with him are called chosen and faithful. And he saith unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the woman sitteth, or the whore sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. They're governing the world. And folks, this is forming under our feet. This is forming in our day. This one world system has been on the go for some decades now. And uh, is coming to pass. And the ten horns, the ten kings that the woman's riding... Thou sawest upon the beast, thee shall hate the whore and make war, or make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. 
the kings are going to destroy, the political system is going to destroy the religious system. This is what these chapters here in Revelation are about. For God hath put it in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast until the words of God be fulfilled. And the woman whom thou sawest is the great city which reigneth over the kings of the earth, the, the city that's set on seven hills, Rome, the seven hills that are mentioned back in verse 9. So we have this false and fornicating bride. How could it end so? How did it end with Israel? The Messiah came. The majority rejected him. And he said, today your house is left to you desolate. Read Matthew chapter 23 in the last few verses of there. You know, he came to his own. He, he tried to gather him as a hen gathers a chicken. And, and he would not. And, and he said, your house is left to you desolate. And it will be desolate until the time the Lord comes back. But in the meantime, the church has taken over and has done the same thing as Israel. Rejected the Messiah, set themselves up as Lord, passed their own laws, got all their systems and all their liturgies and all the things that they go through week after week, year after year. And the Lord is not even with them. On the front of those churches, Ichabog is written up. My glory has departed like it did from Israel. Read in the book of Ezekiel where God's glory departed. This is a false and fornicating bride that we are to have nothing to do with. There is a book that's written by one. It's called A Woman Rides the Beast. It'd do well if you want to know all the details about this to read that. But back thinking about ourselves. What is our relationship like with the Lord? What about our church? I know here at this church, why do we as a church want absolutely nothing to do with anything that cries out for a one world church or a one world governance or submit to this and submit to that? Because it's part of this system that the Lord despises absolutely and will cause the ten kings that she rides to turn and decimate and destroy her, even though she helped them to get to power. You see, we as Christians should have nothing to do with anything like that. And that's why it's probably, it is good to be in an independent church that's, that, whose strings are not pulled from above, from anyone that's higher than the local church. The only one higher than the church is the head of the church, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's the saviour of the body. Let's turn to the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians and see some verses here in chapter 11. Of 2 Corinthians and verse 12 to 15. We read, But what I do, that I will do, that I may cut off occasion from them who desire occasion, that in which they glory they may be found even as we. For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. Hey, it was on back in the early church, even while Paul was alive. They were sneaking in then. They were creeping into the church then. And Paul warned this and said, And no marvel, for Satan himself shall be is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing, if his ministers also be transformed as ministers of righteousness. 
This is preachers in the pulpits. That's what it's talking about. Whose ends shall be according to their works. They will be judged by the Lord. They are Satan's ministers. They come in and creep in among Christians and churches for their own ends and means to get their own power and authority. In chapter 20 of the book of Acts, and Paul knew this church that he was visiting. He was going past in a ship. He arranged to meet the elders of the church at Ephesus on the seashore. They came down to meet him. He didn't have time to see them. Last time he's going to see them, he's going to Jerusalem, be captain, going to Rome, and eventually die there. But he is warning them now. These are men, the John the Apostle, Paul the Apostle, Apollos, Aquila and Priscilla. They had been ministered by the tops of the servants of God. And let, listen to what is said here. And I know this in verse 29. And after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. And they care about people. They care about themselves. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perversely. What did he just say? Of your own selves, of you, people, here, elders, Ephesus, shall men arise, speaking perverse things, to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that for the space of three years, Paul ceased not to warn everyone night and day with tears. He was so upset, he could, the revelation of the Lord had shown him that some of these were going to go off the rails big time and seek for their own glory. They're false, they're fornicating brides. The Lord says, have nothing to do with them. And as, as Christians today, we need to have our eyes open and not to be locked into a system or a religion or a denomination that doesn't stick to the word of God as it's clearly taught. Because this one world church is well on the way to being formed. This false and fornicating bride, so-called, is a false one. And we do well to be aware of this and not to be involved because the Lord will hold us account. You know, there are many people that are involved ignorantly in these things. They don't know. But they need to read their Bibles. They need to be informed and not to be hoodwinked. And so there's the picture of this one. Then there's another picture that we read of in Matthew 25. Matthew 25 is there are the foolish and forgetful brides. Now, yes, they're probably the bridesmaids. But they are virgins. They are ones that could be married if they wish. But here they're in attendance and it says the kingdom of God or heaven is likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five were wise and five were foolish. So we have five foolish and five wise. We're looking at the foolish and forgetful brides. They're, they're unprepared. The foolish took their lamps and took no, no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. So they were unprepared. They were sleeping on the job, even the wise ones. <laughs> what a picture. What a picture of the bride today, the church, sleeping on the job. Maybe this virus has woken some up to what's really going on. And, and, and things are going to go further and further. And the world, unsafe people say, what's in the world is happening? What's happening? 
it's the beginning of things that are going to get far worse, as I think we spoke about last Sunday morning. And there are foolish and forgetful brides sleeping on the job, not interested in telling unsaved souls that there is an eternity to shun of hell and is an eternity to gain, which is heaven. Not telling other people too afraid to talk to their friends and their neighbours and their family about the situation, what's going on, and about their personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. Sleeping on the job. Well, that's a sermon in itself, isn't it? And you read through the scriptures, you read through the epistles, and Paul is warning, as, it, as we looked at in Acts 20, he said to the Ephesus, with tears, night and day, I've warned you that these things are happening. And, and Jude, remember Jude, the last book before Revelation? He said, I was about to write unto you the gospel, the wonderful news of the good, the good news that Jesus Christ came and died for sinners, and you can get saved if you believe on him. And then he said, I thought it was more needful to write unto you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which once was delivered unto the saints. And they're fighting words. Contend for the faith. Let's not be foolish, forgetful brides, unprepared, sleeping on the job, professing God but not possessing the Lord. Let's go to the book of James. The book of James. Chapter 2, verse 14 to 20, we read, What does it profit, my brethren? Though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? Can that sort of faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed. Depart in, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things that are needful to the body. What does it profit? If your if you Christianity is asleep and it's not doing what it should be doing, it's dead, it's maybe not even ever alive. Even so faith, if it has not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest there is one God, thou dost well, the devils also believe and tremble. Professing but not possessing. Ah, that's the church, the picture today. If you ask a churchgoer in many mainline denominations, how can you tell me? Tell me how to get to heaven. They wouldn't have a clue. You know what they'd probably say? Well, we do this and do that and do the other. You, know, you say, well, that's what James said. No, a faith that doesn't have works is dead, being alone. You have to have the horse before the cart you have to have faith and repentance in the lord jesus you don't have it the other way around then you do the works of salvation then you do the righteous deeds that the lord bids you to and so these foolish and forgetful brides back in the book of matthew you know they were wanting to go to the wedding they wanted to join in and be part of it all but they slumbered and slept and then the bridegroom came too late. It says the door was what? Shut. The wise ones went in. They were prepared. They had the oil in their lamps. They were ready to meet the Lord. Are you? Have you got oil in your lamps? 
Let's turn to the book of Galatians chapter 4 and verses 9 to 11. Galatians 4 verses 9 to 11. But now, and Paul is talking to these people that once really honoured Paul and said that they were willing to pluck out their eyes and give them to him so that he could see and read and preach. It says that. Um, and it reads in verse 8, in verse 9, sorry, but now after you have known God or, or rather are known by God, huh? <laughs> how turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements unto which you desire again to be in bondage? They were going back under the law. They were going back salvation by works, not by faith. That the Lord has said, without faith it's impossible to please him. Abraham believed God when he was uncircumcised. He believed the Lord and by faith it was reckoned to him for righteousness. Not by works. Not by anything that he had done. And these people were going back under this, these Galatians. And Paul said, you observe days and months and times and years. All the customs that you used to do. The, these Judaizer people. I'm afraid of you, Paul said, lest I've bestowed upon you labour in vain. Have I wasted my time ministering to you? Are you really saved? Has it made a difference in your life? I'm afraid of you, yes. Brethren, I beseech you, be ye as I am, for I am as ye are. You have not injured me at all. Where is this blessedness, verse 15? I bear you a record that if it had been possible, you would have plucked out your own eyes and given them to me. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? And so <clears throat> here these were, Paul wondered if they were possessors or just professors of the Lord. What are you? Are we truly his born again, blood brought, blood washed believers by faith or are we just going through the rituals? Have you got oil in your lamps as I mentioned? Back in the book of Romans, the book of Romans, there in chapter 8. And uh, I think we covered some of these things recently in, in Romans, Romans chapter 8. And this, whoops, in verse 9, ye, but ye are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. That's a true Christian. In the spirit, not in the flesh. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Born again. Indwelt by the spirit of God. Ephesians 4.30. Ephesians 1.13 I think it is. Sealed into the body of Christ. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So have you got the oil, the Holy Spirit in your life? If any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You can do all you want. You can... If you don't have the true love of the Lord Jesus, 1 Corinthians 13, you know, give your body to be burned. And Paul mentioned other things. You can sell everything, give it all to the poor. But unless you have the Holy Spirit, you're not born again, you're not saved. And this is this foolish and forgetful brides. They didn't have oil in their lamps, oil in their life. There is no evidence of a change in them. In the book of Galatians, he talks about the fruit of the flesh, the lust of the flesh, in verse 17 of chapter 5. But then in verse 22, he starts talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And here's an evidence. And one day we'll maybe preach on the sermon outline that's up on the WhatsApp for this evening. But we 
decided to finish the morning. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. This is what will be in your life if you're a true Christian. Born again, have the Spirit of God. Go through them again. Love. The greatest of these is love. Joy. In the midst of all the troubles, you can have joy. You can have peace. You know where it's all going to end. Long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness. These are the things that will be evident in the Christian's life. The true bride of the Lord Jesus. Not a forgetful and foolish bride. Not a false and fornicating bride. But the one that possesses the Holy Spirit. If we live in the Spirit, let us walk in the Spirit. If he's in us, let us walk in the Spirit, as it tells us there. And they that are Christ have crucified their flesh with the affections and lusts. So, is your lamp all trimmed and burning? Have you got the oil of the Holy Spirit? As you are, you are really part of the bride of the Lord Jesus or the false bride? Can the religious spiritual leaders in your life say, I'm afraid of you, lest I bestow upon you labour in vain? I pray not. Let's look at the last bride. This I've entitled, There will be a forever and a faultless bride. Let's go to the last book of the Bible. <laughs> Wonderful news to finish with in this sermon series of today. Chapter 19 of Revelation, verse 7. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honour to him. For the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife, the church, hath made herself ready. And I've written next to that Ephesians 5.27, that the bride will be spotless, clean. He will present it to himself, a glorious church, having neither spot nor wrinkle nor any such thing, it says in that reference. And we read on. In verse 9, And he saith unto me, Write, Blessed are they who are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb, the Lamb to the bride. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. Folks, this hasn't happened yet. This is going to happen. And it's as for sure as this, this page is here, and I'm living, and you're living, that it will happen. The forever and faultless bride. The bride of the Lord Jesus, the church, the true church. <laughs> These are the true sayings of God. And we can read down in chapter 21 of the book of Revelation. And the bride, I think, is mentioned more in these chapters, the last chapters of the Bible, than in the rest of what we have in the New Testament. Revelation 21, verse 1 and 2, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for a husband. It reminds me of John chapter 14, verses 1 to 6. And this New Jerusalem coming down, the abode of the bride, the church, forever, forever. The Lord's gone and he's preparing a place for us, where he is, there we may be also. What a wonderful thought here. The forever and faultless bride. This is happy ever after. 
as we started out this morning. <laughs> they lived happily ever after. And you, you know who will ha- live happily ever after? The ones who by faith have simply believed on the Lord Jesus, repented of their sins, turned to him in faith and become his children, part of his bride. And notice as we read on in chapter 21, and lo, I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. The intention of God in creating man from the start was to dwell with them, to tabernacle with them. He did it with Adam and Eve. He did it throughout the Old Testament. He did it in the tabernacle of the Old Testament, the temple of the Old Testament. His glory departed. Then he indwelt the believers and he dwells us today. And one day physically he will dwell and we shall dwell with him forever, forever. The bride sealed, saved, delivered into glory. And here is the place where God will tabernacle with man forever. A wonderful thought. And fellowship him. No interruption. No thought of divorce. No thought of separation at all. And so the faultless bride, the forever bride of the Lord Jesus. Verse 9 of the same chapter reads this. And there came unto me one of the seven angels who had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues and talked with me, saying, Come here, and I'll show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And then he explains the city and all the wonders of it, the things that are no longer going to be there, the things that we're so used of down here, self and sin and Satan and sea, and uh, there's a whole heap of S's there, a separation, sorrow and suffering. No more sun, stars, and uh, all these things are gone. They're not in the new heaven. And we will enjoy him forever. And he will enjoy us and our fellowship with ever, forever. The, the, the thing that Christians are missing now is the fellowship with one another. We're creatures of fellowship. God made us so. He wants to fellowship with us, and we will, should want and desire to fellowship with him. That should be a part of our everyday life. Is it a part of your life? Do you like and desire to get into the word and pray and fellowship? Are you missing the fellowship? I've got a sermon in preparation for when we do get back, if the Lord tarries to then, and we come back into fellowship with one another. Did you miss it? If you didn't miss it, there's something wrong with your Christian life. If you didn't miss the fellowship of the saints, because it's going to be for eternity. It says it here. God in the midst of us. Wonderful thought. The bride, the lamb's wife. Chapter 22 and verse 17 of Revelation. And the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst, come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. The invitation is yours to join the bride. Don't come unprepared. Don't be part of a false system of belief, even if your fathers and your forefathers and the great, great ones were involved in that. It's time to move out of a rotted denomination, of a lifeless, spiritless system and 
be joined to the Saviour, the Lord Jesus, and have a personal relationship with him, personal fellowship, and the church and the bride and the people that hear and everyone says, come, come, come. You have to make the choice. Are you going to follow him? A perfect and harmonious marriage forever. No desire for anyone else but the Lord alone for eternity. And so shall we ever be with the Lord, it tells us in First Thessalonians 4 and verse 17. And verse 18, wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And as we go our way this week, may we comfort one another with the words of the Lord. May we be the true bride of the Lord Jesus, not a false one. Go back over the scripture verses and consider the, these things. Because if you're not a part of the bride, you're lost and on the broad road to destruction. Come, come today to the Lord Jesus. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. May we take heed and take a hold of it by faith, believing that the Saviour came, died for our sins. He came to seek and to save us. And he says, now come, come unto me. All the you, you that labour and heavy laden and I will give you rest. In this tumultuous world, may we come to him and by faith believe. We don't have to join a church or a system. We don't have to have someone tell us this, that or the other. We can go to your word and believe. Bless the one that's coming now. Draw them to yourself. For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.